0: Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis, and welcome to one of our special guest episodes that we release between our usual Queer Movie Club episodes. Today, we're joined by a very exciting guest who will be answering the question, what movies made you queer? So please join me, uh, the live studio audience, in welcoming <laughs> the host of the Multitude Podcast Exelor, it's Dr. Moira McTeer. The, like yeah. the crowd yay. goes wild, yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for, for being here, for being on the show. Oh, I'm happy I'm to be here. I'm very excited Thanks. Um, to talk about just lots of gay stuff. So we kind of have as like an overarching kind of umbrella title for these episodes, the movies that made, made you queer, but... Obviously, everyone who comes on has their own particular like identities, words, like phrases that they like to use. So, what what should we name your episode in particular? Yes, this episode will be the list of movies that made me buy as hell. Love that. Mm-hmm. Big fan of that. I feel like I've seen. I don't know whether it's just the side of TikTok that I'm on, but I feel like I've really seen a lot of people talk about buy awakening movies. Really, and I'm very intrigued as to like whether or not you're your movies match up with this? Mm,
1: I did try to avoid some of the more common ones. Like The Mummy, okay. I know I know that The Mummy's on that list. So I, yeah, I was like- Yeah, The Mm-mm.
0: Mummy 100% is on that list. <laughs> just just every single character in that entire movie. Yeah. Everyone's like just panicked. <laughs> All the time. Total panic. <laughs> so in case someone is listening who hasn't uh, heard this particular format before, essentially it's what it sounds like. Our guest just lets us know just a bunch of characters' movies that made them have realisations about themselves. Sometimes, you know, it's more serious. It's about feeling represented and seeing themselves for the first time. Sometimes it's just, oh... She's hot. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's all it's all to play for. Um, so I would love, Moya if you could give me your first choice and we can have a chat about it. Yes, I have brought four
1: movies with me. Uh, do you want to know how I'm arranging them or do you want to? Yes. Okay. Tell me.
0: Tell me about your order. OK,
1: I am going from most obvious to perhaps
0: most surprising. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Love that. Mm -hmm. That's a great, that is a great order. Because
1: I couldn't decide if I wanted to do chronologically or, uh, you know, like importance. I couldn't choose Mm -hmm. uh, an order for importance. So we're just going based on what is very obviously a movie that would have made me queer. And the first one is
0: Rent. Ooh, okay. Okay, talk me through this then. So when did you first see it? Like what impact did it have on you? Was it like you saw it the first time and that was it? Or did you like come back to it later on repeat viewings and then it had like more significance for you?
1: Rowan, I watched that movie so many times. It's almost embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, So it came out in 2005. I think 2005 was a big year for me and movies that made me buy as hell. And I remember I watched it for the first time at theater camp, which is a big old rainbow flag. Wow, amazing. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I watched it at theater camp. We had to perform a couple of scenes from it, like a couple of the musical numbers at the end of the camp. So I did that, loved it, and then went home to watch it with my stepbrother who was like this is pretty stupid but
0: then the next year we both came out so I think that it did its job incredible I don't remember when the first time was that I watched Rent but I was I did choreograph a production of it at university which I think is very gay yes very gay thing to do because also it's just it's not a production that traditionally needs a choreographer but apparently they were like yeah we need a choreographer and then fully did not choose any ensemble cast members for their dancing ability so it was the most (laughs) painful thing to try and like figure out a way of doing a dance routine that didn't really involve much dance a lot of like the vibes of la vie bohème like Mm. we're just going to be doing movements to the beats and hopefully because they're singers they understand what beats are but it was it was very sweet they were like very very they got very into it they were really tried but it was a it was an exciting experience Mm -hmm. sometimes excitement can make up for a lack of skill yeah exactly just like have a smile on your face and seem like you know what you're doing, and that's that's all you need, just for life, not even for for dancing in a production of Rent at university, just in your <laughs> daily life. So what what was it about the movie? Was it stuff about the subject matter? Was it just because you thought everyone was hot? What what were the buy vibes for you? It was absolutely at least that everyone was hot.
1: Rosario mm. Dawson, um, what's her name? Tracy Tom. Everyone was just so beautiful in that movie. Adina Menzel. I really appreciate a nice singing voice and it's a musical so everyone has one of those in this film Uh, but I think it was also showing a a queer lifestyle and a a piece of queer history that I hadn't seen before and I kind of it, it didn't feel like that was something that didn't connect with my being if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. like I just I related to it not because I had ever lived anything like that or because I had ever lived in a big city or anything it just was I was like hmm these might be some of my people
0: and that's how Mm. it went. So where was in terms of your kind of figuring out your bisexuality was this like an early kind of uh warning sign I was about to say but that's kind of feels unnecessarily negative Do you but like was it was it kind of like one of those initial inklings or was it kind of like the last the last like grain of sand Mm. that tipped over the scales I was really fortunate
1: in that I had a mom who had a lot of queer friends is not queer herself but I was just kind of always surrounded by it so I I don't think there was a tipping point because I always just kind of knew and my mom was always kind of talking about it. So for me, it was not realizing that this identity could be a possibility. It was realizing that it was one that fit with me. And I had had that inkling for a while uh, at the year before at that same camp. I had Mm -hmm. my first crush on a girl and told my mom about it. But
0: these movies cemented it for me, I would say. Have you uh like do you rewatch it often still? Is it something that's still in your life? Or are you like, Oh, what a fun youth I had with this <laughs> with this movie?
1: I haven't watched it in a couple years. Not intentionally. Now I want to rewatch it again. Um but I, I do think that as I got older and as I started to really understand what was happening in the movie, you know, because I when I was when I was nine, I didn't really understand what AIDS was I didn't understand what addiction was like I, I didn't really get the heavier themes but as I got older I did and uh then I got into the stage of my life where I stopped watching things that I knew made me upset mm. um or made me sad because there was enough in my real life that was making me upset and sad so yeah I just haven't watched it in a while
0: very fair um have you ever seen it on stage no I would love to are they still doing it on stage that it kind of just pops up around I think because mm. i think it's it's kind of like you're able to at least like it's it's available to universities and and school groups and stuff so I imagine it's kind of gets a lot of Amdram treatment mm. I will say there's definitely some songs that got cut from the movie that are a wild ride there's like a song that angel has it's like absolute bedlam like it's just mayhem <laughs> such such like gay chaos mm. it's brilliant mm-hmm. but it but like you as you when you watch it you're like I understand why this was cut from the movie. I don't necessarily think it added <laughs> added much to the <laughs> to this tone.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, I would like to see it just to get those extra bits. But honestly, I think when you go from a movie version of a play to a live performed version, there's a lot of opportunity for disappointment. I recently did that with Phantom of the Opera. That was another movie adaptation of a play that I watched a lot as a kid, and I just went to see it in person, and it it was a little bit underwhelming
0: oh yeah okay well (laughs) you heard it you heard it here first uh hates hates theater (laughs) hates hates broadway hates all of it hates performance. yeah you
1: can take my theater kid card away for sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had a great experience um with that with Chicago Mm. where we went to see me and a couple of other friends at school had uh kind of birthdays around the same time and so our mums used to like take us all out to like dinner or like something together as like a joint thing. And we went this one year, which was actually the year Chicago came out, the movie, mm-hmm. went to see the stage play. And it took all of us like a solid, like 15 minutes into this play. Cause We were all so confused. And it was because they had chosen the exact hairstyle of the two lead women from the movie and swapped <gasps> so that like they each had the other one's hairstyle and so we were also like everyone had like literally everyone in that auditorium will have just seen this movie Mm -hmm. and everyone was so confused and we got to like halfway and we're like are we idiots like uh, (laughs) is this this is what's happening right like we were like it took us a little bit of time to be like are we just in a weird flashback like what's going on (laughs) so the movies movies of of musicals clearly just way too in our consciousness Mm -hmm. to be Pulled apart. Amazing. I feel like you're, inter- this, this kind of makes sense to me when you were saying that this is going to be an obvious one because mm-hmm. it's one that has like very hot people and also queer themes like all all bundled up together there. So can you tell me about the second one that you're, you've brought to the <laughs> list today? Yes, yes I can. Uh, I'm already laughing. The second one is the
1: 2005 banger, The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs>
0: oh wow
1: okay starring taylor dooley and taylor lautner incredible who got my little 10 year old engine revving both of them um incredible wow
0: (laughs) yes i mean i confess i haven't seen this movie are there are there queer themes or are we just going on the vibes it's just vibes
1: most Amazing. of my, my movies here are just vibes and people being
0: hot in ways that I had not experienced before. <laughs> Amazing. So obviously the two genders, boy and Lava Girl, So mm-hmm. they, so w- was it like, from what I understand, it was like a wild and wacky uh-huh. CGI adventure. And I can, I'm going to guess from the title, I'm really going out on a limb here. One of them was a shark boy. Yes. <laughs> and one of them was a lava girl. Those are excellent deductive reasoning skills. <laughs> excellent. Mm. Glad glad I know what's going on there. So what was it about these two? Was it their personalities? Or were <laughs> you just like, I love this, this, like... Kind of tween who's the same age as me mm-hmm. that I just kind of want to go to the school disco with. Yeah. Like, what was what was going on?
1: Yeah, I was just hardcore thirsting after both of them, and uh, I can I can read into it now, like beyond their hotness. You know, the idea of of a lava girl and a shark boy who has uh, strength and like water powers, and they meet in the middle, and it's fire versus water, and you know, there's a duality there that's that's nice. But mostly, it was just that they were hot which feels weird to say now as an adult but i was a kid then so it was fine Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i've pulled up a picture of their (laughs) costumes and i'm actually obsessed (laughs) you should you should watch this movie Uh, for those unfamiliar shark boy has uh, has a six-pack um (laughs) drawn on his like (laughs) as part of his armor and then above that on his chest plate is just a shark's jaw like Uh a a rendition of a shark's jaw with complete teeth and then Lava Girl has her one is broken up like sort of uh, plates of above magma and then it does look like she is glowing from the inside. I truly believe that if whoever designed these costumes was working on the MCU today Oscars for best costume every year this is some incredible shit that's going down mm-hmm. and I also feel like I can un- I can understand I feel like if you've superheroes are often these figures for like anyone of any age that are like a wish fulfillment thing yeah. they're often quite like heart, they're competent like all of this kind of stuff so I can definitely see how that would like in a little like 10 year old brain be like Yes, I like this. What is happening here? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and it it was really rare to get to see age-appropriate superheroes. There weren't a lot of lady superheroes on screen at the time. Mm. Um, An interesting, like, world connection thing. There's a movie that I think came out last year on Netflix called like We Can Be Heroes Now or something. It's another kids' heroes movie, but Sharkboy and Lava Girl make an appearance as their grown-up selves, uh, not played by the same actors, but still just as hot. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That would have been very cool. Mm-hmm. I just know hilariously, Taylor Lautner, like I guess from Twilight, but I, I yeah. think I watched like the first of those movies and didn't necessarily continue, but he is in a British comedy, hmm. uh, completely just the most weird thing in the world. It's called Cuckoo. And the original show was about this like very normal English family whose daughter goes on a gap year and comes back married to Andy Sandberg. <laughs> and then Andy Samberg, went to go and do Brooklyn Nine-Nine and they replaced him with Taylor Lautner who played his long lost son, who just like turns up. (laughs) It's the most chaotic thing in the world, but one of the best things, if, if you are someone who's ever thirsted after Taylor Lautner, I implore you to go and watch the videos of him and Greg Davies just playing like these weird games of like making Taylor Lautner taste British food or making him guess British slang because they are both he is so funny and I feel like we didn't I didn't appreciate that enough in his twilight days how Mm -hmm. hysterical that that boy can be well they didn't give him a lot of opportunity to show that did i mean was did he get any of his acting like comedy chops shown in shark boy and lava girl or <laughs> um i didn't appreciate him either i
1: mean it's a it's a kid's action movie so there's definitely more comedy there than there was in twilight and you know just in general more expression <laughs> than there was in any of the twilight movies
0: yeah and and in this movie i assume he isn't like uh, fated to fall in love with a fetus so no. already a step up from the twilight movies mm-hmm. it's a little sorry bar. to spoil that bombshell <laughs> if anyone hasn't yet heard about that that particular plot line from twilight um, uh, incredible yeah i like to think that this this
1: is what taylor lautner is more proud of when he looks back at his career
0: oh yeah oh i i have no doubt mm-hmm. i i you know don't know anything about him or him personally <laughs> but i can confidently say pinnacle, pinnacle of his career in his mind, and always will be. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear about your third, your third pick. Yes. My third
1: pick is just making the transition from pretty obvious to less obvious. And Mm -hmm. it represents, I think, a whole genre of aesthetic, really, for me. And the movie is Lost Boys, the 1987 classic with Kiefer Sutherland all about vampires in like Santa Barbara or something everyone is wearing so much makeup I think it was the first time I ever saw guyliner and I loved it and the the wider genre is the genre of like pretty boy uh 80s guyliner long hair fantasy look that's what I'm going for
0: here incredible mm-hmm. amazing so tell me so tell me a bit about this movie was it the vibes was it the plot was yes. it the characters what was it oh, i mean it's vampires in the 80s so there's there's a lot of
1: sexual undercurrent happening that they don't really address um, the main character michael does It was 1987, so I can spoil it. It's been 30 years. Michael, the main character, does eventually get turned into a vampire after getting lured in by Star, who is the only lady vampire living with this group of of other dude vampires. And, you know, vampirism... You're like biting necks. It's very sexy. I just, I loved the the kind of homoeroticism between Kiefer Sutherland's character and Michael's. I loved how pretty everyone was and that swirling combination hit my pre-adolescent
0: brain and was like, yep, this is who you are. I don't know whether you've heard about this, but they're doing a remake. <gasps> no, really? Yeah, it's, it kind of, uh, the casting got announced last autumn, So it must be like in the properly in the works. I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm a little nervous because they could ruin it. It could be a lot worse than the first one. They usually are. Well, what I'm hoping when you do remakes like this that have been a, a while in the making, but you have something like Vampires, which not to make this some kind of three-way multitude podcast crossover <laughs> but me and Jazza did do an episode of Spirits which was specifically about tier ranking all the vampire, basically all the vampires and we were very excited about all the gay ones aka every vampire because vampires just are inherently gay and so I feel like if you're going to remake something which is so iconic and so cult classic mm but that had undercurrents of a particular like queerness or a particular kind of political angle or a particular theming that now has more resonance today than ever. Like those all feel like useful or interesting reasons for a remake. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that going in on the queerness or going in on on that element of it as a remake could be kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I would love to see them do that. Can't wait till they announce any of the casting decisions or
0: or anything like that. That'd be... That'd be dope. So was there a particular a particular character within here that you were like this is my husband or were (laughs) you just kind of like the whole gang they're all the boyfriends all of them?
1: All of them they're all they're all sexy but I really appreciated this movie because it had both of the 80s Corys in it. Corey Feldman Mm. and Corey Haim and they were both adorable as like Teenage boys, and they brought a lot of the comedic relief to the movie that was appreciated.
0: So when was when was, when did you first watch that? Was that uh kind of around the same time as you were watching Ren and Sharkboy and Lava Girl? Just all <laughs> 20 thousand and five really was a great year for you. <laughs>
1: yes, two thousand five was a great year for me. It was the year that I I first came out. I think that I watched it for the first time pretty early on because it was one of my mom's favorite movies and then when i was in middle school so it would have been around like 2007 2008 that's when i really got into it um it, it was around the time that i was also starting to watch buffy so the guyliner liner look in Lost Boys was reflected in in Spike's aesthetic I was getting really Mm. into Billy Idol at the time and I remember that I had seen the movie so many times that I could replay it in my head like if I ever got bored in class I would just close my eyes and kind of like a projector screen on the back of my eyelids just imagine watching Lost Boys
0: amazing yeah I really really loved it were you also into the aesthetic of it like did you be like okay this is my makeup now this is how i need to dress like i'm gonna i wish this, this
1: is who i am oh. <laughs> i wanted to be that person so much i wanted to be the the dark sexy brooding figure i wanted to wear all the eyeshadow uh, i wanted the swoopy the swooshy hair but mm. it it was not in the cards for me. I I didn't know how to apply makeup. I wasn't about to go to my mom and be like, "Hey, I want to go to the makeup store." That's what they're called, right? Makeup stores. Mm-hmm. Um I yeah, it just never happened. I tried to get the swooshy hair, but I have I have too many curls for that. And so I could never embody the look on the outside, but I definitely felt that way on the inside. I felt like a vampire. I felt dark and broody. Um but I could, I could never make it, make the outside match the
0: inside. That was sad. Now I'm just gonna, I feel like I'm gonna wait for the reboot to happen. <laughs> and we'll like j- jump on a call and you'll like properly have perfected everything. You'll be like, this is my time now. <laughs> Finally, my emo phase can, <laughs> exactly. can come to fruition. The, the YouTube makeup tutorials are accessible to me now. Yes, What's they happening? didn't have those in 2004. Not that I could find. <laughs> Um, so before we move on to the last one, I'm kind of interested in the characters and like the the pieces of media that we've chosen so far, at least the kind of, from what you've said thus far, it's not necessarily the, oh, there was like a bisexual character and that Mm-mm. specific character was like, oh, this is someone who I really relate to, or this is someone who I feel like I, I kind of am seen by. Is that something that you have felt that you feel like is more or less common now like how what is your relationship with like actual bisexual characters in media
1: yeah there weren't many on tv or in movies back when i was growing up so i didn't have those as examples but now there are some and and i think i got a lot of them through television instead of movies like willow in buffy who is maybe bi but but maybe a lesbian it's it's uh, a little bit unclear Uh, I've been going deep into rabbit holes on the internet trying to suss out Willow's sexuality. But no, I just didn't have a lot of those to look at. So my awakening, these movies that made me buy as hell, that was mostly just me realizing that it was just as normal for me to find a woman attractive as it was to find a man attractive. And then as I grew up and there started to be talk of trans people and there started to be a little bit more representation about that on, on the screen, I realized that I was attracted to them, too. And so I was just slowly realizing that I don't really have as many constraints to my attraction as other people seem to.
0: Willow's I I agree that like Willow's an interesting one right because I think it's it's like she's a character that's very much a like you know a fictional character and I think people will place their own experiences onto her and like connect with her in a different way because obviously she has a relationship with like men and women within Mm -hmm. the show but then uh she's kind of talked about a lot by the kind of creators involved as a lesbian and I think you when you have that kind of situation where you're not necessarily looking at like an own voices written thing Mm -hmm. it's like a how much is this because she's actually a lesbian versus how much is this? Because you kind of didn't necessarily know or want to use the term bisexual. right? Because there's obviously like, you know, lesbians who've had relationships with men before and then figure themselves out after that. And it doesn't necessarily make that relationship any less uh, like important at the time or didn't feel any less important at the time. So that's like a really, I mean, it's such an interesting one and also like ends so, tragically not again t- spoilers for Buffy yeah. but I won't go any further into it but you know it's not the mo- it's not the most happy uh happy-go-lucky queer <laughs> queer ending in the world no and it's not what she deserved it is not at all what Tara deserved absolutely um I also had kind of had a similar I guess vibe to you in terms of having these awakenings not necessarily because I saw a character that I was like oh I relate to you you are me. Uh, and I feel like I've not really had that mm. f- apart from maybe a handful of times. And I think it's because it's not just, oh, there's a lesbian character, right? It's it's also other elements of your experience, of your personality, of like what you care about. Um, and I feel like seeing, I've only ever seen on screen like one asexual lesbian character, for example. Mm. I've seen- In what? Maybe, like what? in everything's going to be okay Mm -hmm. which listen if anyone hasn't seen that show watch it it's incredible it's got some great rap my favorite anecdote from it is like it's it's become quite well known because it's got autistic rap of like a lead character with an autistic actress and that Mm -hmm. character is also queer and is in a relationship with another queer girl but the queerness is like this one girl is sort of Bisexual, homo romantic, maybe like mm. she doesn't want to have, or maybe she's heterosexual, homo romantic. There's like lots of complex kind of relationships going on in a way that always feels very uh, like healthy. Like they're communicating really well. These two girls, mm. and um, with the the partner of this main character is called Drea. And she's a lesbian, but she doesn't wanna have sex with her girlfriend. Uh, and so they basically just figure out, oh, we'll just be girlfriends and love each other and hang out and get married. And then you can just have sex with men if you want on the side. And that's just like very chill. Nice. Um, but my favorite favorite thing about it is the guy who is the lead guy in it, who is the older brother. Um, it's about him taking care of his two kind of half sisters he wrote it and he was like yeah this is great kind of went along one of the one of the sisters is autistic and it got to season two and he was like oh no I think I need to go and get an autism assessment and he did and he fully is autistic and uh the second season has his character like also figuring out his identity um so it's been like it's it's I'm pretty sure it's been canceled and I think everyone's waiting to see if another network will pick it up because it's genuinely incredible. But that was like the first time that I'd seen a character that shared my specific like sexuality but then there was like a load of stuff about that character that we aren't similar in different ways. Mm-hmm. And then I had like Elena in One Day at a Time where I was like, oh, I relate to this like super nerdy, like super uncool, <laughs> activist-y type teen character. Like she mm-hmm. really felt like, I was like, okay, this is it. This is the connection I have there. But it's been like very few and far between. Um, I don't know how you feel about, you know, by characters that you feel a connection to, not just because of their bisexuality, but because of their personality or their background Mm. or like other stuff that you feel like you've actually felt seen rather than just being like oh there's someone else who i guess is kind of in my community no not
1: really but as you were talking i was realizing that i can think of a lot more bi characters and and just like queer rep in general for tv shows than Mm. for movies i'm wondering why like what what's the difference between those is it because You can get more audience feedback, or you can build more audience trust with the TV show, so you feel like you can do things that are maybe less conventional or less traditional. Do you have any insight into that?
0: I think it's a few things. So traditionally, um, soap operas are the place where um, representation begins in Mm. in the US and the UK. Um, So basically, exactly what you said in a in like the most cynical way possible. There are so many characters and it and like soap operas run for so long that mm-hmm. if, if a character doesn't do well, they can just kick them off the show like mm-hmm. they like sweet that was a storyline it didn't work it didn't bring in ratings or it didn't whatever it is and so that actually is uh as much as people kind of like to malign soaps like they actually have been really pioneering in a lot of cases like uh, in the UK like the first queer kiss on TV was in a soap opera like all this kind of stuff
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so I think that in general like TV is ahead um it's like cheaper to make less risk like we have uh, you know more characters so you're more likely to like have a queer person drop in there like in the mix in the ensemble Mm -hmm. and I also think with movies they're so reductive in a lot of ways because of their how long they can be that even if you do get a queer story I feel like they want to tell the most like dramatic (laughs) and streamlined story possible and I think for a lot of people that's like discovering you are this one very specific like the other end of the spectrum gay versus straight kind Mm -hmm. of storyline and I feel like a lot of people uh both like gay people bi people queer people pan people including myself get quite frustrated because what often happens with these storylines is you'll have someone who seems to express during their life attraction to different genders but it turns into a uh like a cheating storyline or uh it kind of just gets really messy and it like no one comes off well it's like okay cool so bi people are like uh they're unfaithful and like it plays into that stereotype oh i hate that stereotype or we go the route of like oh yeah so like they were just gay this whole time and this is just them discovering their sexuality which obviously Mm -hmm. you know happens but it means that it kind of takes away a lot of uh, potential for bi rep at the same time mm-hmm. so I think it's like that mix of just something needing to be super simple and like it kind of in the end doesn't necessarily help anyone it's a little bit it oh, feels a little bit awkward and also I mm-hmm. think we've f- for a long time not had the word bisexual like notoriously has not been said yeah and so kind of similar to that idea of like us talking about Willow and working out like how would we like how do we actually think about her sexuality there's a lot of characters that you could probably label as bisexual but it's kind of tricky when you have queer baiting to begin with or you have this like queer coding that never quite gets said that you kind of can't label any kind of sexuality on characters even if you were would have been like this seems kind of obvious Mm. like not being able to say the word I think has made a big a big difference yeah for sure
1: I would love to watch more stuff with by people in it, especially if the actors were were by. I know that that's, um, not as likely, but I I would love to if if someone could suggest something that will not make me sad or
0: upset by the end of it, then I'm I'm gonna make a list I got a list. You got have a you seen list? Princess Sid? Yeah, no. have you seen Princess Sid. Mm-mm. Oh, I love that movie. It's like a little indie movie about this guy. It's just very chill. It's like this girl is going to hang out with her aunt that she hasn't kind of seen for a while Mm -hmm. uh, for the summer. And she kind of is trying to figure out her sexuality and it's very chill. Like her her aunt is just this really arty writer and has these like very queer parties and like her aunt's asexual, like the words never used, but she, is asexual. And then at this party, there's like a pair of lesbians there with their Mm. teen son. And she's just this kind of like, I don't know. I just kind of like people and they're like, sweet. And then she has like a crush on this barista who she has like a conversation with her aunt where her aunt's like, have you actually asked what pronouns Katie uses? And Sid's like, oh no, I haven't. Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, Katie uses totally different pronouns. I should have that conversation. (gasps) Like, it's just such a chill, like nice little. It's like bonding between uh, niece and aunt, um, but it's <laughs> like, yeah, that. very, very kind of like chill sexuality vibes. I'm going to make you a list. I'm to make you a yes, list. Yes, please. Thank you. Of the good, of the good movies. I am um, really like a guest that we've just had on Aya is like so good for that. Um, her TikTok account is literally just someone will ask a question in the comments that can be the most specific question in the world. Like, hi, do you have any movies about like bisexual black women who play the clarinet? And she'd be like, me? yeah, here is like 17 movies. And I'm just like, how are you even finding these? Like <laughs> so wild, especially cause we, I feel like we, we're very exposed to like US, UK, and then maybe some European, maybe potentially if like a movie gets nominated for like a big award in the mm-hmm. US it might come over if it's from somewhere else or a foreign language movie so i'm also like super aware of the fact that there'll be there'll be movies that are kind of existing elsewhere in the world that don't quite get pulled over unless they're like exceptions like Mm -hmm. Rafiki or like Margarita with a Straw which have like the first movie from this place or like the one movie that does this so if anyone has any recommendations of buy movies from that we might not have heard of that kind of outside of this realm also please let us know because that would be very exciting yes Hello, dear listener. Um, as you, I'm sure, know now, the Queer Movie Podcast is in fact a member of Multitude, and you may even have heard about Multi Crew, which is our membership program that supports all Multitude shows, so that we can try new things, launch new shows, keep the independent podcast engine going. I know that Multi Crew is one of the reasons why they were able to bring on us as uh, a lovely podcast to bring to your your ears. But did you know? we have a new exclusive perk for multi crew members which is the multi crew pen pal exchange that is right get out the old pen and paper or your email inbox because if you're looking to make new friends connect with others have some kind of you know virtual buddy system going then you can with the pen pal exchange so whatever you're looking for we want to make it happen if you are a member of multi crew no matter the tier you have access to this. We will pair you up with a handpicked fellow Multicrew member based on, you know, actual stuff, your interest, your location, your availability, and also your taste in multitude shows. You can have another queer movie podcast fan pen pal. I'm obsessed with this. This is such a cute idea. You can join Multicrew for as little as $5 a month at Multicrew.club. That's Multicrew.club. And you can sign up for our pen pal exchange right now. And if you are someone who is, you know, you've opened up a tab to listen to this podcast, you've opened up a tab to check out Multicrew just now, you opened up a tab to open your emails, to check in with your pen pal, did you know that while opening up all of these tabs, you could actually be doing some good in the world? You could be raising money for charity. It is time once again to talk about the incredible sponsor, Tab for a Cause, which is a browser extension that lets you raise money for charity while just vibing online, just opening up tabs, which, you know, the ADHD gal that I am, sometimes, all the time, I have a thousand tabs open. And I would like them to be doing some good and not just making me feel like I am an agent of chaos. So how it works is whenever you open a new tab, you will see two things, a beautiful photograph and a small ad. And part of that ad money goes towards a charity of your choice. It's a win-win situation, what is there to lose? So you can actually join Team Queer Movie, our team, by signing up at tabforacause.org forward slash queer movie. I mean, what could be easier? tabforacause.org forward slash queer movie, check it out. And now back to more with our wonderful guest. Let's talk about your final choice in that case. My final choice, the wild card. <laughs> wild card, the least
1: obvious one. Um First, I'll ask, how familiar are you with Disney
0: Channel original movies or DCOMs, as the cool kids would have said it? Um I was not a cool kid and didn't have the Disney <laughs> Channel, but I would try and go around my friend's house to watch it. And they would also reenact like the entirety of the original movies to me, like <laughs> during break at school. So I'm I'm familiar with my friends reenacting a few of them. Yes. OK. My fourth movie is called Double Teamed and
1: terrible name Wow. set aside. (laughs) It is a movie about two identical twins based on a true story, Heather and Heidi Burgess, uh, in high school playing basketball. And then they go on to, in real life and at the end of the movie, both get jobs in the WNBA.
0: Ooh, okay. Mm -hmm. When Mm -hmm. was this movie from? Is this like a one from... One from two thousand and five, just a little bit
1: earlier, two thousand and two. But it okay. is set in the eighties, except you can't tell at all when you're looking at Amazing. it. It looks like baggy nineties clothing, and the the premise. I, I like rewatched it recently just to make sure that it was fresh in my mind. And the premise is that these two sisters who play volleyball because they're tall, and if you're tall, you're gonna you're gonna play volleyball, of course. Yeah, of course. They move to a new school and start playing basketball instead and then drama happens because the best player on the team before they get there is jealous and uh is worried that they will take her spot she is uh the same actress who plays madeline in gilmore girls oh interesting very cool (laughs) and uh, or louise i always get them confused but one of them uh the blonde in gilmore girls and uh then they become friends so the drama goes away by the end of the movie they get scholarships to play basketball in college and then they go on to the wmba and i played basketball from the time i was in third grade to the time i graduated from college my my birth father basically put a basketball in my hand when i was born and it was such an important part of my life and also was one of the only places where i had i was just with women um mm. so so that movie meant a lot to me in that way but basketball is a very is a very lesbian sport in the us amazing <laughs> um i oh, i i shouldn't just say that as a blanket statement i think of it as a very lesbian sport in the us <laughs> like when i when i th- try to list out in my head, lesbian sports, it's rugby and then basketball and then softball and then maybe soccer. Mm. And I say that as someone who has played both rugby and basketball and seen how many lesbians there are on on both of the teams I was on. And yeah, I just I, I liked how sporty they were. And now looking back at my like the type of women that I have gone for it is it's it's blonde sporty women so yeah that was a very seminal
0: movie for me tall tall women yes (laughs) yeah oh my gosh amazing I um unfortunately the main sport that I play I mean I played a lot of sports in school I was a jock back then I Mm. fully have reformed um but uh was netball which I think might be the straightest sport that's ever been invented so just like basketball but you have to stay still oh it's 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 a wild ride I feel like anyone who's used to basketball would just be like what is happening why are they all just standing still (laughs) okay so this was this was I'm assuming one that you watched when you were younger this wasn't Mm -hmm. one that you you came to on some kind of kick in your 20s like I think I'm just going to watch the Disney Channel movies and see, see if I can get some inspiration.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think I watched it when it came out. I didn't have TV, so I had to really carefully plan when I would go over to friends' houses to watch the Disney Channel original movies. Classic. And uh, eventually my grandmother would record them on VHS and then mail them to me so I could watch them oh, whenever amazing. I wanted. Uh, except I had to give her a list of the ones that I really liked. And Double Teamed absolutely was on that list. I saw it and I was like, hmm, yes, something about this. Want to keep watching Mm -hmm. it. And then I asked her to record it. And it was the movie that I fell asleep to most nights for like all of
0: third grade. Incredible. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're going to fall asleep to to a tall sports girl, (laughs) then... You know what's up?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely a way to prime my dreams um, and try to influence what's happening there. But yeah, I, I just they had such swagger. At least you know, when I was a kid, I was watching that and I saw that they had such swagger. I rewatching it now. It's painful. It's painful yep. to watch because it is. It's these two actresses who have very obviously been told to walk with swagger. Mm, incredible. <laughs> it's, it's the most hilarious thing I've ever seen.
0: I've just pulled up a poster and they they look like they're in their 30s. Do they yeah. look younger in the actual no. movie? No, they do not. Amazing.
1: They're also supposed to be identical twins and they are so clearly not. <laughs> so not. <laughs> t- t- yep. Twins are
0: they're related just at They're not 14 all. or literally the first line of the plot is in 1985 you've established that it doesn't look like the 80s. 14 year old They look like they're in their 30s. Identical (laughs) twins, not identical. No. Love that. The setup is really, it's all working for us. That's incredible. I mean, I also love the idea of like the swagger they've been told to have because it mm-hmm. just reminds me of everyone's showing the, is it in like Save the Last Dance So like one of mm. those like dance movies where you look back at it and like, I remember at the time, like Step Up and Save the Last Dance and like all mm-hmm. of these movies being like, this is the coolest dancing anyone's ever done. Like, yes. this is amazing. If I could do this, I'd be like the talk of the town. And then you watch it back and it's embarrassing. Like it's yeah. like worse than a, like a middle grade TikTok dance. And you're like, this is how did I think this was cool (laughs) yeah the scene where Julia Stiles is learning how to slouch oh my god Uh. absolutely not it just at this point it reminds me of that meme of the woman who's like this is hip-hop and then she's doing like just not hip-hop at all she's like it's down you've got to bend your knees and she's just doing this a lot and it's just horrendous (laughs) um for the benefit of the listeners um I'm not going to describe what I just did because I Mm. feel like we no one needs to even imagine it imagine Rowan just like supremely in the center of the pocket. That's what just happened. Imagine, imagine Rowan, like, break dancing. Like, what just (laughs) happened was, I took off my headphones, and I did a full, like, I was spinning on my head. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Moya was cheering, crying, screaming. It was just, it was wonderful. Yeah, I'm still recovering from that performance you just gave. And it's just really unfortunate that you didn't get to, get to hear it. I had um, a radio stations show at university with my friend Ellen and one of the segments we had was you need to see it to appreciate it where we would just (laughs) we would there would just be something one of what either one of us had found it like alternated each each episode that you had to see to appreciate and we we would just look at it and then vaguely (laughs) discuss it and be like you, you kind of had to see it to appreciate it and like just put it on the Facebook group for the for the show. And I feel like that's very similar energy. Uh, this is this was a great selection. I feel like you really yeah. ran. We've had musicals, we've had teen movies, mm-hmm. we've had vampires, we've had like, superhero <laughs> kids. Um to run the whole cover. Um mm-hmm. do you feel like there's been any more recent movies that have uh not necessarily like shaped you figuring out your sexuality mm. but have have kind of made you feel like you've kind of seen your community there or you've um kind of felt some of your experiences reflected or that you just thought the people in it were very hot that's also acceptable
1: <laughs> i think everyone's hot so yeah all all the time and Every that's movie. yeah basically i I struggled with this when I was growing up because I thought that you were only supposed to find like a few people attractive and I was just attracted to pretty much everyone I saw like no matter what they looked like I could find something and latch onto it and be like yes you're beautiful I love you and every movie just reiterates that for me (laughs) but also I don't watch I I I Watch a lot more TV than I do watch movies, so that affects
0: it. Is there a reason for that? Is there a are you kind of uh, just really really into the 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 like you know long term getting to know a character, or is it like? a lot of people where it's like, I don't have the mental capacity to watch something for two hours. That.
1: Well, both of them. I do like being able to follow a character for a longer arc than you can do in a movie. I like Mm -hmm. seeing that growth. I especially like it when you can see instances where the people making the TV show have incorporated feedback from the audience, like in between seasons. I love that. I love seeing behind the scenes. But there are a lot of TV shows that I think have helped me. Um, Buffy,
0: Xena, Centaur World. <laughs> it's cute. Uh, dare I ask? Should I know Centaur World? Am I really out of the loop? <gasps> Um, Misha brought it up at a, a quarterly meeting a while ago. and I was like, it rings a bell, but I definitely, is it, I'm assuming it's everyone is a centaur in the world or like most yeah. people, but yes. is it only horses or are they like centaurs of other animals? Centaurs of other animals. And Incredible. it's yeah. also a musical and they have magic. Okay. Let me just, sorry, I'm just going to uh, type this into my checkout later. Um- <laughs> yeah.
1: I I, I honestly I watched it because Misha was so insistent that it was really good and I was like okay it's gonna be fine I watched all of the
0: first two seasons in a weekend I've just seen (laughs) just googling the google image this is the most unhinged thing I've ever seen (laughs) and I'm obsessed I am obsessed it's incredible there is just I'm specifically looking at a character that has a giraffe's under belly button torso but then uh-huh. a, but then a human man's full torso to the neck but then a giraffe's neck and then a human's head <laughs> and then also the little giraffe like nub uh-huh. antler things and ears that and human
1: character hair. is named Durpleton and he is voiced by the the voice
0: of Ted from How I Met Your Mother from the face of Ted amazing yeah. okay I'm also getting from this screen grab that there was just a normal our world horse. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's the main character. Is that like the, the main character who's like a fish out of water, a, yeah. a horse out of water, like coming? Incredible. Her name is Horse. Okay. I'm going to ask you right now um, because I, re- I feel like I'm seeing into the soul of this show. hmm. What part of this <laughs> made you add it to a, th- a th- list of three you TV know- <laughs> shows that included Buffy, Xena, and then this one?
1: You know, when you ask me that, um, I feel a little bit ridiculous because it's it's not much. <laughs> it's it's probably just because I watched it last night. Um, it, there is nothing overtly queer about it, except for maybe a couple of the characters, but mostly it's just the vibe. It's it's this. I mean, look at
0: it. It it yeah. is a. They're walking a, along a rainbow in this particular. Yeah, screenshot.
1: they're following the rainbow road. I just this is a world where you can be whatever you want to be you can recreate yourself with magic horse literally changes like the way she looks the way she acts it changes over the course of the show because she is uh being more immersed in centaur world instead of the human world and uh if there is anything that represents queerness to me it's being able to
0: just like be whoever or whatever you want Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say right now there is a i feel like there's a big queering of just like the cartoon traditions because horse does not look like a cartoon girl horse in very inverted commas. Mm. Like there is a there is a very particular like sort of dimorphism situation that happens around cartoons where it's like, oh, if it's gonna be a girl character, we have to indicate that with like long eyelashes mm-hmm. and like blush and lipstick and stuff as like a default, yeah. um, bright colors, all that kind of thing. And I'm looking at this character that has like that has none of that mm-hmm. just like very horse. much it's a horse yeah. and I actually kind of love that like you have all these characters around that are very like brightly colored and everything and then you have this just you know why would this horse have I eye- have uh, curled eyelashes like <laughs> I mean horses I guess do maybe cows more more mm. stereotypical of the curled eyelash look but um yeah why would it be wearing makeup as a horse yeah so I'm kind of very I love that as like a little little sideways step from the traditional animation stuff Mm -hmm. so in terms of representation in general like I Mm -hmm. think we've kind of covered the idea of there not necessarily being a ton of representation that at least you kind of felt like oh yeah this is an actual bi character who I feel as strongly as like the characters that I have had vibes for slash have kind of fancied and that's been part of my journey in particular I feel like there's a big question mark over queer representation right now which is when we're in this kind of space where we have a lot of identities that haven't necessarily seen the spotlight, whether that is like non-binary identities, trans identities, um, asexual identities, and like pan identities, bi identities that maybe have kind of been technically seen, but not necessarily talked about. And like had people be like, I am pansexual and say that in a movie or on a show with like no doubt about it, Mm -hmm. where it's kind of like, we want the representation, but also we've seen how much bad representation often comes before you get to the point where you get like good, authentic representation. Are you kind of of that mind that you... Any, any shot at it is going to get us further towards something being good? Mm-hmm. Or are you the kind of person that's like, I'd rather you just didn't. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> you just did not, please. Like, let's just, let's, we don't need bad stuff before we get the good. Like, where, where are you on that at the moment?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. We've had so much bad stuff. I would like to only have good stuff now. And then when there has been a flood of good stuff, then we can bring some nuance back. Um, but I think that I want the equivalent of like the the Disney Prince and Princess movie but for a little bi character um so that we can see ourselves in these totally unrealistic fantasy romances but it's I think it's important to have those too. I would also push for something more extreme <laughs> um I think that one way to to change to shift that Overton window to like move more towards what we want to be acceptable is to go so far beyond it that what we actually want seems like really tame in comparison like um you know i i spend a lot of my time thinking about alien worlds and uh and, and stuff like that and i think that that's a great place to explore sexuality not not because it's like different animals or different species but because it it totally eliminates this this choice it totally eliminates uh the expectation of only being with a certain type of person um I think aliens are where it's at if we're trying to push the boundaries
0: there we go anyone right now who's listening who's writing something about <laughs> aliens you heard it here first we've got We've come for the cowboys. We've come <laughs> for the for the pirates. We're mm-hmm. coming for the aliens. Like yes. all the genres. Gay aliens. Queer aliens. Let's do it. All the way. <laughs> just Jack Harkness vibes, just yeah. fully.
1: I will happily help you imagine any
0: queer, sexy aliens you want. Please reach out. <laughs> Can that be the next episode of Exalor? It's just like the queer sexy alien planet. That's the
1: 've we like already no other... had a, a, a queer worm alien planet
0: so close enough so, yeah hmm that works everyone was everyone could could make a baby with anyone
1: that's just how it is mm-hmm. it was a good time
0: this was not in any way a segue that you planned but speaking of gay space <laughs> um, <laughs> I as we come to the end of the show and we love to you know people have been listening to you talk about binus and vampires for this long mm-hmm. they might be like hey I want to check out this person and what they do just like in life like where where can people find you and like hypothetically if they wanted to hear more about space from you Mm -hmm. how could they do so
1: you can do that really easily i talk about space a lot uh you can find me on twitter i'm go astro mo you can find exolore wherever you get your podcasts that's e-x-o-l-o-r-e but i also have this book coming out in august called the milky way an autobiography of our galaxy where i explain the history and the evolution of our of our Milky Way galaxy. I even talk about the evolution of humans' understanding of the Milky Way galaxy, but from the galaxy's perspective. So it's a character. It's uh, the narrator of its own story. And the way I have imagined it, galaxies are hella queer. Uh, first of all, they don't have a gender, because why would they? They're galaxies. But they also have these I think beautifully queer relationships with each other. Uh, some galaxies are polyamorous. There's a chapter where I'm talking about galactic mergers because galaxies are colliding all the time and most of the time it's two galaxies merging but sometimes it's three or four galaxies merging at once and that's a a beautiful little triad happening galaxies fall in love the milky way and andromeda have been in this long term long distance relationship Uh, so yeah they are they are very queer and i'm excited for people to learn about that space is gay space is gay
0: yes that is the end love that for space i know right (laughs) oh my gosh thank you so much for joining me this has been so fun i always love hearing everyone's stuff that made them queer (laughs) gay trans it's always (laughs) there's always some that are like okay i can see that and then somewhere you're like you know what you do you you everyone finds their identity in a different way and I'm glad that that worked for you. Mm-hmm. And also just it's so fun to to chat to other people because obviously as anyone long-time listeners of the podcast know, I hate jazz up. So <laughs> it's great just being <laughs> be be talking to someone else for a change you know Mm. you know we've been locked in the multitude locked us in that room together and forced us to record like all of these episodes constantly recording these episodes together Mm. so it's nice to be let out into a into a separate room to record with you Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I could be this little respite for you away from Jessa (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with everything podcast related. If you enjoyed this episode, please do think about supporting us over on Patreon. Our patrons really are the backbone of the podcast. And in exchange for your support, we have some great tier rewards set up over there. One of the perks on our Patreon is a queer movie watch along every last Saturday of the month, exclusively for our patrons. It's very fun. So, you know, come and join us. The Queer Movie Podcast is edited by Julia Shafini. We're also part of Multitude Productions which has a lot more amazing sibling podcasts to ours that you should definitely check out. Make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so you are primed for our next episode. Thank you so much for listening and hopefully you will hear from us very soon.